Hey everyone, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Carol Ann Flood, and I'm the worship director here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life, or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by His Word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in Him. Man, not many people accuse me of being cool, so I appreciate that. But you did kind of take me back 30 years. <laughs> so, um, man, I, I'm really excited to preach this morning, and um, God's just really just been doing a lot. And I'm excited to... Um, just be obedient to what he's doing. And the invitation this morning uh, is with this question. Have you ever done something in your past that you knew was going to affect your future? Have you ever done something in your past that you knew would affect your future? And so here in a minute, I'm gonna, I'm gonna illustrate a story, but what I need to demonstrate first is part of my story is a time when I was young and I swore. All right, so it was a time when I was young and I swore. And so what you need to know is the word sounded a lot like shovel. So as I tell the story, I'm not actually going to say the word because I don't want to be a burnt offering on the Lord's altar. Um, So as I tell the story, um, you'll know where I'm headed with that word. So um, I was about eight years old and like every eight-year-old, I had an electric Jeep. All right, and so what I loved to do every day was go out, ride it in the driveway, and uh, I, I ended up going down the driveway, and there's a slope off of my driveway, and so I got off that slope, and it had rained the day before, so I started to kind of slide down this hill on this electric Jeep, and what I wanted to do was get back up on the hill so I could go back to the house. The problem is, is I kept kind of digging the wheel and trying to get up there and it just wasn't working. And so as an eight-year-old, obviously I did what any eight-year-old would do and I threw a fit about it. So I get out out of the Jeep and I look at it, I'm like, man, and I just kick it. And I said, man, this thing is a piece of shovel. And I just yelled it. And so, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, man, if my mom heard me say this, I would be dead meat. And the door was open and guess who was watching? Mama bear. And all I hear was, Cody, what did you say? And, and you know, you know how it ends, right? I knew I was host. So I said, all right, I got to go in. And, and so I, I walk in the house and my mom says, you know, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap, as any good mom would do. And most of you, uh, you've either washed, you've been the washer or you've been washed. And chances are you use the bar, right? Is that normal? Is that like no, oh, I see some heads turning. So you're, you're like my mom. You really wanted me to suffer. My mom didn't have a bar of soap. She had the squirt stuff. So I, I walk in and I'm like, man, I don't know whether to laugh, cry, or call poison control because this is about to get ugly. And I'm the youngest of, of three. And so my two older brothers did what any you know, good sibling would do. They wanted to watch me suffer. So they belly up to the table. And my mom says, all right, here we go. She starts pumping that stuff in my mouth. And it was as nasty as you could imagine. And uh, about two minutes goes by. And uh, I, I'm sitting there thinking, man, this is disgusting. And, and, and I spit it out. And I said, man, this stuff tastes like shovel. And, and it was like... I need Jesus, y'all. 
I really need Jesus. I clearly, the thing that got me in trouble in the first place was what? The very thing that I went back and did again. And uh, the reason I illustrate that, that story and share that this morning is, man, it's hilarious, right? It is funny, but the thing is, is, man, I, I needed to be redeemed. And we've been in this series that talks about uh, the journey of, of being redeemed and being restored. And so we've been in, uh, you know, creation, fall, redemption. And what I'm going to speak about this morning is restoration. And, and this whole series it's all about how we've been locked up in sin and God is journeying us and taking us through a path where we can ultimately be redeemed and restored back to him. And so today I'm really gonna talk about holiness. And the story I just shared with you, that was a good example of what holiness does not look like. Um, and so maybe some of you identify with that. And, and here's the thing, holiness is not new. This is something that um, likely we've all been around uh, the concept for some time, but also God is holy. And that's what makes it not new is because he's eternal and holiness, because that's a part of who God is, holiness is also eternal as a part of his character. And so um, one of the things that we need to know uh, this morning is holiness in the Old Testament looks way different than it does for us today. Same holy God, but the way that it was playing out looks a little bit different. And so for the nation of Israel, holiness was this, to be set apart from the other nations, to be set apart from the other nations. And that's what God was calling them into. And so um, what I'm gonna show you up here on the screen um, is what would have been kind of this holy temple in Israel. And this is uh, kind of a diagram of the tabernacle. And this would have been located at the center of the camp. And so all these Israelites and priests, they would have been around it. And um, the priests for only special occasions were actually allowed to go into the most holy place. And in the most holy place was where the presence of God was. What we need to know is that when you got close to God and you were in close proximity with him, it was dangerous. And the reason it was dangerous is because if you were impure or if you had sin in your life, you could die when you got close to him. And so for these priests, they had different rituals that God had made very clear of, hey, don't touch dead bodies, you know, don't touch blood. You know, these are things that aren't really hard for us to stay away from. But for them, these were things that they needed to avoid because if they touched anything that had to do with death, it would make them impure. And if a priest went into the most holy place and they were impure, then they could die. And so it kind of poses a question for us of like, okay, so the presence of God is dangerous. And, and, and based on, you know, the rituals and everything they have to go through, it sounds a lot like we have to kind of clean ourselves up before we actually engage with God. And we have a problem with that. But the problem is, is man, I, I really think sometimes we get stuck there. I think sometimes we live as if there's a, a list of, of rituals and things we need to do in order to come clean or to come before God. I think sometimes we get stuck there, that sometimes we think we have to fix our life before we actually get into relationship with God. And so here's the, here's the beautiful thing. Leviticus actually invites us into something that 
that solves and looks toward Jesus and the hope that he brings. So Leviticus 20, 26, it says this, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. And so, you know, we read something like that and it says, you know, you're to be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. And it's like, okay, God, we know you're holy. But when I read that text, all I'm aware of is, man, I'm unholy. God is like the supreme and mighty being. And then I read a text like that. I'm like, man, the bar's way up here and I'm over here cussing about my Jeep, right? And so we see a gap. We see a gap that exists there. And so what I wanna hammer away this morning is this idea that how we live in the present suggests what we believe about the blank. Now, biblically, there's kind of a pathway of past, present, and future. And so how we live in the present suggests what we believe about those three areas. And right now, what I want to dive us into and and talk about a little bit is the past. So how we live in the present suggests what we believe about the past. And maybe that's you. Maybe as we, we highlight what holiness was like in the Old Testament, maybe you feel like that. Like, man, I got to... I got to like solve things before I actually really give it to God, or I got to clean myself up before I get there. Man, I'm, I'm afraid to be in proximity to God because, you know, he might ask me to do something or he might call me higher. Um, and so there's different things that we wrestle with um, and you haven't put your life together. And so maybe you're thinking, man, I can't get into a relationship with that God. He's too holy. And, I, and I'm like somewhere down here. And so, First Peter actually introduces us into this text in the hope that we have moving out of the Old Testament. And so First uh, Peter 1.14, it says this, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. And here, uh, Peter's actually speaking to a Christian audience. He's speaking to Christians, and what he's reminding them of is, hey, you've been redeemed by Jesus, so because of that, don't fall back into the pattern that you once were living in, which was ignorance and sin. And guys, if I can be honest with you, I think sometimes I need that reminder from Peter. Like, hey, you've, you've drifted from my grace and my truth. You, you haven't really been living into what's your reality and for me, you know, it looks different, but sometimes, if, you know, sometimes I get angry and I don't go to asking for forgiveness. I just wallow in that. Or, or sometimes somebody wrongs me and I just harbor bitterness in my heart and it's hard for me to move forward from that. Other times it's just I'm selfish. There's a lot of needs and things going on around me and I'm looking inward and not thinking about those. But here's the hope. Verse 14, verse 14 is very clear. We can't manufacture God's holiness. There's a lot of things we can do on our own power, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, the one thing we can't do is manufacture holiness. No matter how much we earn or strive or try to do, holiness will not just arise. That's not something we have power to do. That's for God and God alone. And the thing that we can do, though, is we can repent. And that's what Peter's calling us to as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you have. Basically what he's saying is move beyond your sin. The damage, the stuff you're living in, turn around and chase after me. And that's the invitation that God has 
And because when we repent, God really opens up um, this beautiful relationship of being blessed by his holiness. And when we're around a God like that, we become like him. And so after we repent, there's really this invitation uh, to, to live holy and to live new. And so what we need to know is how we live in the present suggests what we believe about the blank. We're talking about 1 Peter 1.15. It says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. And so we just talked about it, but for the nation of Israel, holiness was about certain standards and things that they had to do. They had to stay away from certain clothing and wearing those. They had to stay away from blood and anything that had to do with death. And so the, and let me be clear, the actions of the Israelites, it actually mattered. For them, that's what holiness looked like. It looked like being pure before God and being set apart from other nations. And part of that set apartness was abstaining from death and in, in, in certain things. And what's beautiful is Peter actually reminds us that the same thing is still true for us today. We are to live set apart, but the difference is, is what we're called to do. For the nation of Israel, it was, it was a set of things, but for us, it looks different. And so Leviticus 20, 26, it says, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. And set apart, a set apartness for us today, it looks like this. Matthew 15, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. And so this is groundbreaking news because everything everyone in the ancient Israel knew was staying away from certain things. And basically what Jesus is saying is, it doesn't matter what you wear or touch or eat. It matters who you are. What defiles a person is not what comes out of their mouth or is not what goes in their mouth, it's what comes out. And so what Jesus is doing is he's, he's the standard is, has now, uh, he's heightened it, but he's given us an aid and say, hey, now it's a heart posture. Holiness and our purity before God is no longer about all those things. It's about loving. It's about being hated by people and choosing to love them anyways. It's about being wronged and loving God so much that you're just going to love and forgive them anyways. It looks like having compassion for your neighbors. That party all night and keep you up. That, one's, that, one's, that one strikes me, right? It's hard. It's hard. But 1 Peter 1.15 says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. And so what I want to be clear with is for the Israelites, what they did actually really mattered. And that was holiness for them. And so what that means is if that's true, if what they did really matter, the same is still true for us today. And what we do actually really matters. And so how we live in the present suggests what we believe about the present. How we live today suggests what we actually believe about today and what Jesus has done. And can I tell you, for the Israelites and the nation of Israel, it was actually really dangerous to get too close to God if they were impure or had sin because they could die. 
the same thing is actually still true today. God is still very dangerous. He is still very holy and still very dangerous. But the problem is, is if, if we get too close to him, our sin could die. If we get too close to God, our sin could die. He could change our life. For Israel, it must have felt like walking on eggshells and it's not because God didn't love them. He did love them, but if, if they got into his presence and they were full of sin, they could die. For us, man, we get close to God and our sin dies. He's completely flipped the script on us. Now we enter in, we're transformed by his presence and who he is. And for some of us, we don't need to hear anything new necessarily. I think for some of us, we just need to claim what's already a reality. We just, need to, we just need to latch on to what's already true. And what's true is Jesus died for us and there's forgiveness of sins and his spirit in us. And he also rose. And that changed everything. So there is no gap. What the Israelites felt was a gap of Intimacy. We don't have that gap because of the work of Jesus. So I caution you, if you get close to Jesus, your sin could die. Your sin will die because he says, as far as the east is from the west, so has your sins been forgiven. That's the promise and faithfulness of God. And here's the thing, as good as news as that is, that's not even the best part. As good as news as that is for what Jesus did on the cross, that's not even actually the fullness of what God's doing. And so we, we look at something like that and that's our reality playing out today and we have a relationship with Jesus. That's not even the best part. First Peter 1.16, it says, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. How we live in the present suggests what we believe about the present. And I got to say, it does matter what we do. And my, my, uh, my mom's best efforts to try to change my behavior before, even though it didn't work, there was a clear um, guidance that she was doing. But you see in the story, man, there was nothing repentant about me, right? I said shovel, went to the kitchen, said shovel. That is what unrepentance looks like. That is a perfect illustration of what it looks like. And so for me, there was no doing of holiness there. I didn't get it. I missed out. I didn't understand what was happening there. And all of us, we probably heard Brian say it. Brian has said, um, already not yet. And what Brian is communicating there is, we've already been saved and redeemed by Jesus, but we have not yet seen the return of Jesus. So we're already, we're already redeemed and we can claim that, but we have not yet seen the return of Jesus. And that's what we're all waiting for. And so number three, how we live in the present suggests what we believe about the future. How we live in the present suggests what we believe about the future. And so when we look at the past, we see this huge gap. Throughout the nation of Israel, we see the gap of holiness. We see, man, there is like distance between us and God because Adam and Eve did something in the garden and now we feel it. 
But when we submit to God, it looks like what First Peter is, is talking about in one sixteen. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And guys, the reason it matters what we do is because it's a direct representation of who we are. How we live and what we do now matters because it points to a future hope. And here's the thing. You can't mix water and oil. You can't mix fresh water and salt water because sin and holiness, they, they can't coexist. Because God's presence, whenever he enters the room, it dies. And so what we do and how we live now, it actually points to a future hope. Guys, we're, we're, what we're doing is, man, this is just practice. We're on vacation and God's coming back again. And we get to wait and anticipate that. But what we do actually matters. How we live actually demonstrates that, yeah, God, I do believe what you're saying and calling us to. And everything we do, it represents that. Or maybe in my case with the Jeep, it didn't. And so what I want to do is I want to read Revelation um, over you because this is a, a passage of his future hope. Um, and I'll be honest, every time I open up the book of Revelation, I'm just like low-key hoping a round of Jumanji doesn't start, like the drums are beating. Because there's a lot of stuff in there, right? And it's scary. But what's beautiful about the book of Revelation is it's actually a story of, of God's hope and Jesus's um, his holiness and, and how he will return. So just feel free to close your eyes. I'm just going to read this. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We've, we've read the Gospels, and what we see in the Gospels is Jesus Right, We know the story, he's born and, and there's a sin issue, so he's gotta come in and fix it. And so the posture that Jesus comes the first time with is one of, of a servant, not to be served, but to serve. He comes as a, a, a slain lamb, somebody that's mocked and persecuted because there was a sin issue. There was a gap between us and God. And Jesus said, I'm gonna do something about it. And so he comes as a servant, humiliated, beaten. 
But church, there's hope because what Revelation demonstrates is he's not coming back the same way he came the first time. What scripture tells us is he's gonna come back like a king taking back his city. He's gonna come back and invite us into a whole and perfect life with him. I know life's hard right now. Man, there's so much just depression and hurt and suffering. But the reason we keep treading on is because of what the future holds. And Jesus said, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna redeem my city once and for all. No more sin, no more mourning, no more hurt, no more gap. Just his goodness, just his holiness. Leviticus 20, 26, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy. And I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. So we have to ask the question, well, what does perfect holiness look like demonstrated? Who or what is a perfect answer and model of holiness? And I gotta be honest with you, what I'm about to share with you, it doesn't seem attractive because it looks like being beaten. It looks like being persecuted. It looks like suffering. It looks like being nailed to a cross, having everyone look up at you, questioning you and mocking you and looking down and saying, forgive them for they know not what they do. It looks like defeating death, being resurrected and inviting people into a new life. One that is whole, one that is not lacking, one that is transformational. God is inviting us into this. Be holy because I am holy. So how we live in the present suggests what we believe about the past, the present, and the future. In the past, we see the gap between us and God. The present, we see the current hope that we have. And some of us, we just need to claim that and own that. We are redeemed and we are lacking nothing because that's what Jesus says and has called us to. And in the future, we realize there's still something that feels off. God has not called us to live in sin, but there's still sin in our world because he hasn't come back to solve that yet. And so in the future, we're looking to the work that Jesus wants to finish. There's still work to be done and that's what we're waiting for Jesus to come back. Our hope is not in this world, but it's in him. And we know that there's more beyond our present circumstances. So what I want to do is just share a bit of my, my story. I, I, you know, there was a time where I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And I didn't have any of the answers, but man, I realized that there was a gap. There was a gap in my life. I felt like I was always in control of everything. Like 
every mistake I made, it just fell back on me. I always felt like, man, it just I'm doing things and, and life is going okay, but why do I feel so empty? And there was a moment, it's just a miracle that even happened, but there was a moment in my life I was alone and I remember saying, Jesus, I don't know what this looks like, but I'm just gonna give everything I have to you. And I just pushed it across the table and I had a bunch of stuff in my room. I had things that kept me in bondage, alcohol, marijuana, all this stuff, bagged it up, went outside, threw it in the trash. I repented and for the first time I meant it. I really meant it. And what's crazy is my friend at the time who hated church more than me said, hey, I'm going to church this week. I was like, wow, God is real. And I said, well, can I go? And so I go. And um, what I loved about this church, it was a college ministry. And we drove every Thursday an hour to just go there. And there was like 200 people, you know, students worshiping. And, and every time at the end of service, they would have some kind of response, some kind of call that they wanted people to engage in. It looked different every time. Sometimes it's like, hey, if you don't know Jesus, come on up. Hey, like if you just wanna praise God and, and just thank him for everything that he's doing, come up. Hey, if you have sin in your life, come up. And there was invitation after invitation after invitation. And that kind of stuff freaked me out. There were people raising their hands in worship. That freaked me out too. And so now I'm in this place and everything that's comfortable and familiar is stripped away from me. But God changed my life. So I chose to just engage in it. And every time God was calling people to come forward, I knew that invitation was me. No matter what the invitation was, I would just come forward and just kneel right at the stage or altar and. And I'll tell you what, for you, we're gonna have an invitation similar to that here in a minute. And if you're wondering, man, is that, is that supposed to be me? If your heart's beating really fast and you feel like you wanna throw up, that's a good chance God wants you to come up here. I don't know why, but it seems like he speaks to me that way. But man, it's always out of love. He likes to get us uncomfortable because when we are obedient to that, his presence always blesses us. His holiness is always there for us. And so here our worship team's gonna lead us in a couple songs. And so if you feel like God's prompting you, putting it on your heart, just come up. Aunt Marge might ask you in the car what sin you committed. Well, well, it don't matter. Nobody needs to know why you're up here, just God. And so my invitation this morning is just if God is inviting you to come up, just be obedient. Ask questions later. Just be obedient to what he's doing. Let's worship. We hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com forward slash connect. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.